Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 125. So Phil and I have been busy, uh, as usual. Uh, we've been, uh, we just had a meeting actually about what we're going to, how we're going to approach the advanced course. And I don't want to um, give anything away at the moment because we haven't fully decided, but generally uh, we're going to get to work on that very soon, hopefully by March or so. Uh, and we're hoping it will take around six months or less, but we, you never know with these things, you know, things can, uh, things can come up that you never thought of, especially because this is the biggest expansion we've ever done. We're going to add at least another 1500 characters and think of all the words that come with that because now, I mean, part of me is a bit of a completionist. I, I want to just sort of, okay, I'm going to, I want to include every single word that could possibly come up, but, uh, even with a three thousand carats under your belt, that might not be the the case, right? But we, I, you know, I'm very excited to get to work. Phil is too, um, so that will be on the way soon. Just letting you know, guys know that. Uh, other than that, nothing you'd really be interested in. Uh, just boring back end stuff. But um, yeah, I uh, we've been working on a lot of new things in in terms of how to get new people onto the website. Uh, and on to and find out about Mandarin Blueprint. And I've got to say, the the case studies that we've been doing with you guys, the interviews with some of our members are just so fantastic. Um, I looked at a few, uh, one with um, Nathan Holiday recently, who's a long-term member, just fantastic. Can't wait to publish that. Um, uh, yeah, and generally, and that these things go so far to giving us credibility as a company. Um, and give some backing to the to the claims we make. Uh, so thank you very much for those that spend time uh, to either write us a short post, uh, write a review, uh, or do a whole interview. <laughs> um, it just it makes so much difference to us. Uh, and if you're on the course and you haven't yet received an email from us, we do we do send out emails once you get to uh, three stages of the course. And when the advanced course is out, we'll, call, we'll also send another one there but uh, after level once you get to level 13 once you get to level 36 and uh, once you get to the end of the intermediate so level 57 complete we'll send out an email it's like would you like an e would you like a meeting would you like a uh, to just have a chat and sometimes we just have a chat and we don't even post it it's just such a great way of learning uh, about the inside get some insider info uh, what you how you, you know how you guys are experiencing everything so regardless of whether we post it or not uh, which we usually do um it's absolutely vital for us so thank you um so let's get going today with the first message the first email this first one is from david leetnik by the community he says hello mbers which by the way is apparently just our official name so if you're a, if you're a, an mb member you are an mbia um and lots of people are, are using that now I got no problem with it. I just thought, I don't know, my, my, I remember I was chatting to my uncle and he's like a, a marketing guy. And he was like, oh, maybe you should call everyone the dragons. And I was like, that sounds cool. <laughs> but I don't know if everyone's going to be down with that. The dragons. I don't know. What do you guys think? Give me some feedback, please. I like MBs. That's fine. It's kind of cute. Um, works for me. But maybe, I don't know. Could you reckon we could think of anything else? <laughs> send us a, send us an email or send a message in the community there if you have any ideas anyway david says i have a question concerning memory palaces namely memory palace clutter 
and memory palace claustrophobia. Mm. Have you ever found you've needed to put something in your memory palace, but there are still mnemonic images in all the loci or low? I think it's loci. I'm pretty sure, not loci. For example, in my childhood home memory palace, every place in every room for the third tone has something there that hasn't gone into my long-term memory yet. If I put something new there, it will overwrite the older mnemonic image I still need. I could squeeze the newer image into a corner, but it either A, interferes with the older image, or B, gives the mnemonic room a cramped, cluttered quality and increases the cognitive load. Does anyone have any suggestions? I didn't actually see what answers. Uh, I just saw the question and I put, oh, that'd be great to put number one on the podcast um, because it's such an interesting challenge and it's easily overcomable as well. Um, if you consult, uh, by the way, if you have questions like more in-depth questions about memory palaces and things like that, we know quite a bit about them. We've got a lot of experience with memory palaces, but the actual memory athletes hang out on a very well-known forum in that community called um, Art of Memory or The Art of Memory Forum. Um, so if you have a, a question like that, feel free to ask us and you'll get a great answer or we'll do our best. Um, but those are the guys that are the real professionals. Those are the guys that are either memory athletes or they they have taken that this skill, this, this uh, memory palace skill very far. Uh, so just art, the, I don't know if it's art of memory form or the art of memory form, uh, but it's it's one of those. Go and check that out. Um, but I actually go on there I have, fairly often um, and I, I did sort of look up this, this challenge because Phil and I, uh, we did this ourselves. That's, we did the method. We I personally learned 3,000 characters in six months using this method. Uh, Phil had already learned a few characters, uh, but he learned at least a couple of thousand using the method. And uh, we would occasionally find this issue when when we were learning, like, say, 10 shirs in a row. Or, like, you know, you learn 30 characters and, like, 20 of them have the same pronunciation. So you're in the same place to learn all these different characters. Um, or even the same room in a lot of cases. Yeah, same room. Um, but uh, there's a there's the, it was over, we overcame it very easily. And I'll, I'll tell you how. I'll address it sort of point by point here. So first of all, if I put something new there, it will overwrite the older mnemonic image I still need. Now that's technically true, right? Low psi is supposed to be one spot, but uh, you might be, you might, if you, this is one great tip that I saw in this forum that I mentioned, which is you can zoom in. There's, there's infinite low psi. The actual, the major problem these professionals have is not Oh, I need. Uh, I run out of space to put my loci. I need. I need. A, I don't have anywhere to put it because they can just zoom in, and then. So instead of saying, "Oh, there's one," the the bathtub is one spot. You zoom in. You've got four corners of the top of the bathtub. You've got all along the side of the bathtub. So that's another. That's that's another four or five for each side. Uh, inside the bathtub, zoom in. You've got four corners of the inside of the bathtub and the center, uh, at least. Right. So that it it it. It goes on and on, um, but you should, yeah, zoom in one level. That's all you should need, really. Um, so that sort of solves that problem. The problem that, that the professionals have is how to access. So if they're using, uh, they need to use multiple memory palaces to. They don't just want to retrieve one piece of information. They want to work with multiple pieces of information to solve a problem. Uh, then that that's a challenge, you know, because they. The working memory is only so powerful. 
so they're limited by that. But you won't have that problem with this method because you're not a medical student trying to solve a medical issue and you have to think of four different aspects or five or ten. You can just, you can just oh, where's my character? Oh, it's in this room. Done. It's one, it's one location. He says, I could squeeze the new image into a corner, but it interferes with older images. So another thing about this is that your stories or scenes, your movie scenes that you're creating, they only need to be there as long as it takes to get the character into your long-term memory. And once it's there, which takes a few months, you don't really need to, you can sort of replace that loci with something else if you want. Um, but again, with the issue that I, I've already sort of solved that issue for you with my previous bit of advice, so you wouldn't really need to worry about that. And yeah, I can understand there being a cluttered quality, but remember, you go into that room, you're only supposed to be focusing on that one loci within that room. So try not to conjure up all the other uh, memories that you have with the other people or actors uh, from your other characters. Um, but that would be my advice. Um, I, I get it though, we've had that issue, like Phil, his apartment in Chengdu is incredibly small and his, the bathroom was obviously really small. And so he would, he would sometimes comment on that, but he would just like, oh, I'll just uh, make an extension. I'll just, uh, my friend's place, which is across the hall, uh, in in that apartment com complex, uh, that's also fourth tone. Okay, done. Move on, uh, and it would only be a temporary issue anyway. So, so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about that, David. Uh, but hopefully, my zooming in idea sort of helps to solve that for you. So the next one is from Jason Pond. This is an interesting one. So he says, this is on a uh, long longer piece of content. Wachababa. Sorry, Wachababa said. Uh, I cried in Chinese after listening to this. So this is an English thing he wants to say. So it's a very moving, relatively moving uh, dialogue. And he wanted to say, oh, I cried, but he's trying to be funny. You know, I cried in Chinese, not not my English cry. So it's, it's quite a funny joke in English, right? And then he tries to say it in Chinese. Um, and there's, you know, I, Phil uh, already replied to this and he gave his own, um, he corrected some of the grammatical errors and things like that. Um, but the major challenge that Jason was facing is that you can't actually really translate what he's trying to say in Chinese. And this is something that um, once you start to get to the intermediate stage, which Jason is definitely well into, you, you start to have all these tools at your your disposal. Oh, I can I can make sentences. I can I can maybe start having conversations. I can understand a ton. Uh, but one of the things you have to start accepting once you get to that high level is that you, there are some things, many things, that simply cannot be translated. And I come across this all the time where I want to say something because English, like uh, my friend uh, who speaks French and English, he says French is just the best language for swearing. <laughs> I don't know why I don't speak French. But he says there's nothing more satisfying than swearing in French. And I was like, okay, fair enough, good for you. But he says telling jokes in English English is the best language for telling jokes, in his opinion. That's what he thinks, you know. Uh, and he speaks fluent Chinese, French, and English. Um, and I was like, that's a really interesting way. You know, and he, he quoted that that, that scene where the Berevingian or whatever, the bad guy, one of the bad guys from The Matrix reloaded. He swears, this is really long swear in French. And he, he can quote it perfectly, my friend. He was like, oh, there's just nothing but... I was like, okay, interesting. So English is for joking. Uh, sorry, English is for great for joking or banter. Um, you know, maybe Chinese isn't. <laughs> Chinese is not, at least, especially not from an English person's perspective. 
Um, so tr- if you try and say a joke, which is funny, I'll, I'll say that, Jason, you know, your, your, your sentence there in English is funny. It just doesn't work. <laughs> I, 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 I tried as well. Phil tried. I actually took the liberty of, of editing his sentence, which he said, because it's grammatic. Of course, Phil's a highly advanced Chinese uh, speaker. and his, uh, his sentence was grammatically right. But I said out loud, and it's just like, it just doesn't work. Um, but not because it's not grammatically correct. It's just because Chinese people just wouldn't say this. It's just not something. They just wouldn't get this joke that he's trying to communicate. So uh, he said something like, um, I can't remember what he said now. I've deleted it. <laughs> I probably should have noted it down before. Um, but it was like, it was like Yong Zhong Wen Lei Ku or something. I, I, it, it just didn't sound right, right? So I, I, as I often do, I think I thought of an idea myself and then I consulted my wife to make sure that it was <laughs> I was on track. Um, and she, she uh, helped me translate it a bit better. So she said, um, this story, took my Chinese, and due to me being moved by the story, like made my Chinese sort of come out, sort of uh, become better, bloom, as it were. And it, it, you see me try and explain, and that's the Chinese way of making that funny. And it's not what Jason meant, but it's as close as we could get. We, have, we tried for a minute or two. So, uh, and you know, that doesn't mean that the sentence I said in Chinese or the sentence that Jason said, is not funny or one is not funnier than the other. It's just that you have to accept those limitations and it can be frustrating. You're like, well, I want to say this, blah, 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 blah. It's grammatically correct. So, yeah, but a Chinese person wouldn't understand what you said because that's not their culture to say that in that specific way. And that's when you go from not just language skill, cultural understanding. I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago. It's not just that once you start mastering the language, that feels awesome. But then you have another challenge, which is culture. And what Chinese people, the way people Chinese people actually think, and that's where you need to start. The only way you can really master that is by uh, consuming a ton of real Chinese content and interacting a, a ton with real Chinese people. You know, so, uh, and that's a good thing, by the way, because <laughs> that's a that's very fun to do all of that. Okay, um, but that's uh, yeah, that's where the law of diminishing returns comes in, and that takes that sort of where you dedicate 10, 20 years. Uh, you can master the language, I believe, in a few years. So you, can, you know, you can reach a good level of fluency uh, and then even a great level of fluency. Uh, but um, if you want to start mastering what to say when and how to make the right certain Chinese person laugh at a certain thing, that takes real dedication. You know? uh, but that's something, to, that's something to shoot for. That's a way of adding a goal on once you reach your goal. You know, so... Um, yeah, try not to get too hung up on translations, Jason. I know it's a <laughs> it's a real tough one uh, to get your head around. Uh, it was for me, but uh, yeah. Next, we've got Karis Scott on a pronunciation mastery lesson, and he says, "I was told if you're offered a cigarette at a wedding in China, you have to accept, even if you don't smoke. Is that right?" And the answer is yes and no. <laughs> so. Again, it depends. And this is, again, cultural understanding coming in, right? Um, generally, I'm, I've am i been in China a long time. I don't really, uh, you know, I'm not really out there trying to build relationships with anyone. But if I was, 
guanxi, you know, you know, I'm not trying to make guanxi with anyone. But if I was at a wedding and I wanted to like really make a good impression on people, I might, when they offered me a cigarette, which everyone will do, <laughs> or a lot of people will do, uh, depending on how close you are to the Nongtun, the, uh, the, how far, far away you are from the city rather. Uh, you know, if you get offered cigarettes, maybe I would take it. And I, I say, uh, you know, what you heart troll? She said, I'll say, what will you heart troll? I'll, I'll, I'll smoke it later. I'll put it behind my ear, put it in a pocket. <laughs> and then at the end of a se- uh, wedding, you have like <laughs> your pockets like full of cigarettes. That's that happens, you know. But these days, I just like if I just uh, friends, but I was like, well, we'll you. And it's like, I'm, you know, it's fine. They're not going to get offended. They're not going to go, how dare you? Uh, what do you mean you don't smoke? Come on, smoke. They, they get the fact that some people don't smoke and some people do. Uh, maybe this was different uh, a few years back. Like a friend of mine, a uh, question was asked recently on the podcast about like drinking in a similar way. Like if someone offers you a drink, do you, do you have to drink? What if you don't like to drink or you can't drink? Uh, and everyone's trying to give you like this this stuff. Can you say no? And the answer is yes, but maybe a few years ago, or again, when you're further away from civilization and you're in the more rural areas, or if it was like 30 years ago, it's really difficult to turn down a drink. People are like, what do you mean you don't drink? That doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> Meanwhile, they have, they're like bright red, having an allergic reaction. They're like, I can't believe you wouldn't want to drink. <laughs> so um, it depends. But I would say generally, if you're at a modern day wedding, um, uh, in you know, with fairly, I don't want to say civilized people, that's ridiculous. Um, but like people in a city, let's say, uh, then just say you don't smoke. It's fine. With a smile. That's more than enough. Okay. So next is from uh, Kim Thomas. <laughs> she says, reading this sentence, this is a little thing we snuck in there. Luke I heard that Luke and Phil are very handsome. So she says, reading that and understanding it straight away made me chuckle, but also feel so proud to understand it just as if I was reading it in English. This method is hands down the best with one, two, three, four exclamation marks. Thank you. Another three exclamation marks. Thank you very much, Kim. You're very welcome. Yeah, it feels awesome, doesn't it? <laughs> I think we say this like every time I have a podcast, there's someone that has a comment like this with like, I can read. Feels great. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well done. And it's all because of your your hard work as well. Uh, and that's why I think that's an extra satisfying. It's not something you just you just bought or downloaded it's like you had to put your skull sweat into that there's no other way to do it it beats putting a translator translating device in your ear doesn't it kevin roy jackson on time to get real about sentences so this is the beginning of phase three where you've built up enough characters and words where we start introducing sentences based on those characters and words that you already you can basically read um so it's, it's a pretty cool time. Kevin says, another key moment which re- reinforces my trust in you folks as educators. I didn't get absolutely everything straight away, but I could read the majority of those sentences without difficulty. Excellent. And I see that as a considerable step forward. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kevin. Again, all down to your hard work. Um, so keep that up. And you've got, <laughs> this is just the beginning. You've got so much more to come not just sentences, you'll be wait till you're reading out loud and understanding shadowing is what we call it, entire stories, like uh, uh, it's been so long, I can't remember what stories we have Red, Red Riding Hood we have is one of them. Um, 
So then, uh, so well done, mate. Well done, very, uh, very well done to you. And next is uh, Ted Crawley on what about the tones? So this is the very beginning of the hands and mover method. Phase one, where we're trying to just explain uh, the method, how it works. <laughs> and he says, where's the like button? I already love this method. I wish I had found it a year ago. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely put one of those in. So I saw those three. I thought I'd just push those together because um, they're three really nice uh, compliments. Let's just get those out of the way because they, you know, I hate I hate reading them. Terrible. Very difficult for me. <laughs> so um, thank you very much, Ted. I really appreciate it, mate. So in the next we have uh, Kyrie. I think that's how you say it. Shikari on now just look at how solid that foundation is. Ah, so this is a, one of my favorite bit comments to read. Phil too, I think. This is where you're entering phase three. And again, you start seeing these sentences for the first time. You're like, wow, cool. Kyrie says, I always had a great feeling about this course from the start, but now I'm at the end of the first great hill. I am even more satisfied and amazed at what I've achieved so far. So you should be. I am now excited every day to learn more Chinese and I'm enjoying the additional challenges I've now added to my studies. A tutor on italki, graded reading books. Well done. Thank you for helping me rekindle my love for the Chinese language. I vow that I will one day be able to thank you both in person. Well, that'd be great. Well, you know where we are. Phil's in Chengdu, I'm in Dali. <laughs> so if you want to come to uh, come to China one day, um, send us a message. So this is a great time, as we often suggest, is that once you've finished the foundation, phases one to five, that means you have a foundation of 1,000 common Chinese words. Uh, and we've done a lot of research. I wouldn't say they are 100% the most common, but then no one really knows, right? But we've done, we've done a ton of research with over a billion characters um, to get that list. And she also, uh, also knows six char uh, 600 characters, rather. Uh, so that's a really solid foundation upon which we build the intermediate and soon, hopefully, the uh, into the advanced course. Karis Scott again on, uh, could you do us a quick favor? So <clears throat> this is where we uh, ask for reviews. So this is, a, again, three, I think it's three different sections throughout the entire thing. It's like, hey, you're enjoying it. You're making it really far. Would you mind going and give a Facebook review or a Google review? And so many people have. And again, those, those are, that's the first thing people usually do, isn't it? Um, um, and, you know, is Mandarin Blueprint good? I'm going to about to give these guys some money. Are they good? Um, and those reviews come up and they really help us. So thank you very much again. There's an app on Amazon Prime called Rakuten. I've heard of this. Rakuten Viki. It's a Chinese and uh, Korean movies and TV shows, which you choose, all including live on TV shows in China. So TV shows that are currently running. There are ads, uh, but it's cheap to pay to get rid of them if you want. And you should be happy to pay a few dollars for something that works. It's a very important thing. I have watched so much content, it's unreal. Subtitles are good. Also, hope that helps people. I just want to add something to that. I'm not trying to say give us money. I'm trying to say like generally there's like five to ten different things. If you really want to excel at Chinese quickly or as quickly as you can and have a good time, you don't just stick to one thing, right? You can have a ton of different things. Um, I'm personally... Uh, paying for a comic book app. I pay like a, a few RMB uh, per comic or something like that, or per series. Um, oh, De Dao is just fantastic. Uh, it's not really going to be much use to anyone that hasn't at least made it past our intermediate course. I'd say HSK 5-ish level um, at least. Uh, but for an adva more advanced learner or upper intermediate, let's say, it's just got a ton of content. And again, each, like, it's like um, they do those things. Like, have you heard of like Blinkist, where they take a book 
an entire book and then they just really simplify it so you can pretend that you've read it. Uh, basically, oh, I know all the key points of the book and it's kind of a cool idea. Um, but it's a bit more than Blinkist. It's like 25 minutes, half an hour of a of a ting shu, like a yu sheng xiao shu, like a, a book with sound, like an audio book. There we go. <laughs> so, um, and again, go through and it's great for shadowing. Just follow along the text with this beautiful um, voice, uh, really professional broadcasting level Mandarin voice. Um, that's also not too fake, which is some of them are. They're like, like, you know, as long as you get on the Chinese radio shows, really bad, but very nice. Um, so I pay money for that every month. I'm happy to do that. Um, and Rakuten sounds like another resource, which is worth doing that. Um, I, I say this in our in our book, actually, the Mastering Mandarin in the Modern World. It's a great idea for you guys, if you don't already do this, um, to set aside a budget every month, whether that's, you know, 50 bucks, 25 bucks, 200 bucks. If you can set aside $200 a month, that that's all you really need to master Chinese in a very relatively short amount of time and have a great time. And that's, that's enough for a ton of italki lessons. Uh, and like most apps cost like 10 or 20 bucks a month. So you just choose what you want, budget everything out. Okay, this is what I'm gonna do for the next six months or every single month change it up. Oh, I've got $50 left, what can I spend it on? So you have that budget laid over. And I'm not trying to give financial advice, guys. I'm the last person to do that. But I'm just saying it's an idea that really worked well for me and a few other people I know. Um, so yeah, anyway, it's kind of a bit of a tangent there for you. Um, yeah, so check out Rakuten Vicky. So Rebecca Weebel on uh, Vocab Unlocked for Fool. So she says that interestingly in English, we also sort of use width as a measure word with fabric. It's slightly old fashioned, but you can say a bolt of cloth. You can also say a width of fabric. That's absolutely true. So you would, fu um, is a very common measure word. Uh, so bu, um, uh, same tone as no in Chinese or not. Um, it means cloth, fabric. So you can say yi fu bu. So a width of a piece of fabric or a length of fabric. So yi fu bu. Um, and yeah, we do have those sorts of phrases in English. In fact, we probably, do you know what, have just as many, if not more, measure words in English uh, for certain things as Chinese. Maybe that's true in other languages too. It's just that we don't use them as much. You know, we don't, we can, we can also not use them, whereas in Chinese you kind of have to. Right? So we can just say, give me a beer. Uh, but you can't say that in Chinese. You have to say, give me a whatever container of beer. You have to say, give me a pint of beer. Give me a ting of beer. Um, Yiping, uh, give me a bottle of beer, right? Uh, yeah, so uh, you know, but uh, you think about all the different things you can use, like uh, that we don't use for measure words in English, but do exist. Like all these different, like, every single group of a certain animal seems to have its own name. So, like a gaggle of geese or a uh, a murder of crows, but you wouldn't say that, would you? You would say, "Oh, look, at, there's a group of crows over there." You'd just say like the equivalent of "guh," wouldn't you? So that's kind of an interesting thought. Next, we have uh, Karis Scott on nasal file ing. Again, this is the pronunciation mastery course. He says, I mimicked Warner, Mamana, three others in the room heard and synchronized to do do de de do mana mana from the Muppets. I have no idea what that is. I've watched a few Muppet movies in my time, but uh, I can't remember that one, but that is still very funny. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that, Karis. Next is uh, Tyson on make a movie for. 
Tyson made his own prop for those four mouths. And he called, he said, uh, he referred to them as wailing women. In some cultures, they can be hired for funerals. Yeah, that's absolutely true. You can do that. And uh, you can certainly do that in China, uh, from what I've heard. Again, it's probably more common in uh, in the Nongtun, more traditional areas of China, more rural areas of China. But yeah, certainly it can be done. Tofu Miao on vocab unlocked for from Dui, as in Dui something or someone like Shuo, Doibichi and Dui Mian. So Dui Lai Shuo, you basically add in usually yourself. Like, to me, or in my opinion, uh, is, is in her opinion or his opinion. Uh, so what what you're supposed to do in these types of lessons, these vocab unlocked, as Tofu Miao is about to do, is create a mnemonic that connects to the characters and represents the compound word to help you memorize it quickly. And we teach you how to do this in great detail. Um, in fact, I've recently uploaded a video to YouTube, um, Living Links, How to Hack Chinese Vocabulary. Check that out. It's on our channel. One of the recent videos, like 45 minutes long. <laughs> I go through like a ton of um, a ton of uh, examples. And of course, we're going to cut that up and put that into the actual course itself. So either way, you'll, you'll see it eventually. Dui, something, something. Shama, shama. Laishuo. Seemed tricky till I thought of the Karen meme. Karen loves to give her opinions thinks she is correct, but is facing or opposing, like doing like against basically, and lies when shouting. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I've heard that meme for sure. Uh, it's very popular these days, that idea. Um, and that's obviously a lot of emotional content. I'm sure you could find a great image as well to go in your flashcards, which is kind of the point of these lessons as well. So uh, yeah, like, really funny. Well done, Tofu. And next we've got a uh, Xiaoen on um, New vocabulary unlocked. She says, uh, I think it's she, sorry if I'm incorrect. Did I miss a video that explains the difference between Gan, which is, uh, and uh, Gan, which is the same character, but Gan with the fourth tone means to do or to work. And Gan, first tone means dry. And dry is the one we teach in the course because we wanted to, if we have a choice between the two, and they're both very common, so we just chose the one that's more easy to visualize. Because um, it's very early in the course. I think this is like the fourth or fifth character they learn, you learn. And if so, how will I make an entry into my Anki? Right, so the first thing is like 20% or something of the most common 3,000 characters. So hundreds and hundreds of characters that are very useful have multiple definitions and multiple, oh, in fact, most of them have multiple definitions, but 20% at least have multiple pronunciations. And that's, uh, and you know, the way our course is is built, we're just like give you learn one common one, hopefully the most common and useful, uh, and that builds your foundation. And then any other pronunciations and usages, definitions, you will learn through context, <clears throat> and you have that foundation. Where doing that is not actually that challenging. Uh, so generally, don't worry too much about those. Uh, funny, funny enough, uh, I recently reshot. The, the beginning, like this, one of these videos where we first introduced this idea um, in phase one. Uh, and we might put the, the new videos in there instead. And I do talk about the difference a little bit in the new video that we've shot. So uh, that will also prevent any further confusion. This, I understand why that's confusing. That's a concept that you're going to get used to very quickly. Uh, and don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it too much. Just treat it as a, a little bit of curious curiosity because 
sometimes characters have multiple, like several very different pronunciations and several very different usages. And we don't want you spending time at that layer, like learning width. We would rather you learn depth or just, you know, keep going forward, learn more characters, learn more words, and then worry about the other definitions, the other pronunciations of characters when they come up, uh, which they, they eventually all will if they're useful, right? And wait until later means you have more tools at your disposal to tackle that. Whereas if you try and do everything right now, um, they're genuinely, there's like, a, some of them are really challenging. They've got like four different pronunciations um, and they're all useful. They're all like pretty, fairly common. Uh, but what are you gonna do? You're gonna learn all four, make four different memory palace technique, like, like uh, movie scenes. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, we might add in something like that into the, the method, but we haven't had that many issues with, with people with, with these sort of doyins, these multiple tone uh, characters. So uh, multiple pronunciation characters. So uh, anyway, uh, let us know though, Xiao, if um, you do still, it's, it's causing you problems, just let us know, contact at mandarinblueprint.com and we'll handle it on a case-by-case -case basis. Ted Crowley, or Crowley, sorry, Crowley, uh, on special effects and memory athletics. This is again, early into phase one, where we're teaching the method, the hands of moving method. He says, I think razor blades and horror movies are scary. Razor blades is, uh, is one of the, the, the components, the props that we suggest. I don't want to re repeatedly think about scary things when I'm learning Chinese. So I picked baseball bat for one and a layer cake for two. Nice. Yeah, my uncle was the same. I actually taught the, the method to my, to my uncle like a few years back. Uh, and he's such a pacifist. He was like, I don't even want to choose razor blade because you don't have to like do violent stuff with a razor blade. It can cut anything, right? Just Or it can bend, it can stick in walls. It's fun. It doesn't have to be like violent, <laughs> you know? Um, but he didn't even want the possibility of violence. He's so averse to that, yeah, that, that realm. So he also chose something different. I think he chose a cigar. And that's fine. Now the movie in the kitchen was fine. Sean, what happened to Shrek? <laughs> was a cricket-like bowler, and I was the wicked guy with my staff. He knocked down all the pins with his spinning bat, easily spinning past my staff. Cheers, confetti, yay. The scene you described was very dramatic and easy to remember. So was my variation on it. Sadly, I didn't know we were writing a scene for the sh, the SHI, that means 10. Yeah, that's what the bowling pins are representing. No one mentions that. So the bowling pin count meant nothing to me. I have a scene I'll remember for years. It just doesn't mean 10 in my mind. That's okay. I'll just have to reshoot that scene with some better script writers. <laughs> Keep your day job, guys. Well, thank you. That is, uh, you know, that's as fair as it is harsh. <laughs> um, and funnily enough, I mentioned that I reshot a bunch of those videos. That's one of the ones I reshot. So uh, we'll have that updated soon. So <laughs> sorry about the, yeah, you, that's a good point. We didn't actually mention uh, clear enough. Oh, by the way, bowling pins. But the whole point of that was just to, that was, this was our idea. It was like, okay, we're gonna run through this scene and show you what we can do. And it's like this crazy scene. And then by the way, did you know what you just did? You didn't just imagine a crazy scene. You learned a character, which means number 10. So it was kind of like backwards. And the idea was just to like, what is what are these guys talking about to create intrigue? And then we tell you what you learn, what each part represents. Um, you know, but this is the first time we've had uh, some <laughs> someone negatively experiencing that as like confusing. So I'm kind of glad that I reshot it now. Uh, so thanks for that, Ted. Rick Santos, level 42. 
complete. Well done, good progress. Great progress, actually. For example, he says, oh, I guess this is continuing something else. Guang carries a primary meaning of light or ray of light. At first glance, it has nothing to do with use up, as in, yong guang le, that's what you say. Um, uh, what else can we say? Chi uh, guang like, So there's a lot of all these things, the cakes or whatever. What chi is eat, and guang means all, basically. Chi guang So I ate until it was naked. That's how I like to think of it. Just like, that's what, because guang could also mean naked, right? It's, uh, you know, it's, um, and it could also mean guang chi fan. Like, all you can do is eat as well. So it's that, ni zhi neng guang chi fan. Like, so you can only eat. It's also got the meaning of only. Um, stop going on a tangent. Read the comment. Okay, all right. So here we go. It also doesn't appear to have anything to do with the concept of bare or naked. Doesn't it though? <laughs> My take is just that toothpaste is advertised as shining one's teeth. So when one runs out of shining paste, there'll be no shining teeth either. As for the bare or naked, one will need some form of light to see something naked, nevertheless. And also, more light reflects off a naked body. Unless you're wearing like a metal suit or something. Nevertheless, even in... I'll edit that comment out somewhere. <laughs> even in the darkest night, it might not be wise to walk in the dark alley stark. And thank you for the lessons 37 to 42. Well, you're welcome. So that's just a bit of... Rick often does that, just adds a little thought in there. Um, to, to help people think. And it is a really interesting character. Like, now that I actually think about all the different meanings it has, but often you'll find that as long as the character has the same definition, uh, sorry, so a character has multiple pronunciations, but a pattern that I've personally noticed, I'm not like a Chinese scholar or anything, but I've noticed that as long as the character has the same pronunciation, but very different usages, like so naked, um, all or only, uh, and also light. Uh, the, the definitions are kind of, you can see the relationship, even if the, they're fairly objectively different. Um, but if it has different pronunciation, like especially if it's very different pronunciation, the, the definitions are, tend to be just starkly different. That's just my experience. Next is uh, Oscar on Pick a Prop for Shu. He says, uh, coming back, this is very early in the course. So he says, coming back from level 25 to say, first up, this is a frequently recurring prop. This is the number 10, right? So we suggest choosing um, either a, a syringe or a crucifix, because it kind of looks like both. Um, I think we go with the syringe, but he chose the crucifix. He says, I wish I had taken the syringe and not the cross. The cross may look like the actual character more, but honestly, that does not matter as much as you think it does at this stage. More important is how versatile a syringe is with regards to how it can be used. In fact, I would say that one of the most important facts when picking a prop should be, what can I do with this? Props that have a lot of interaction possibilities, such as syringe, should be at the top of your list. That's a really good point. Uh, again, this is what we're talking about, insider information, feedback. Um, yeah, so I would say it still has to have some connection to the meaning or, or the image or the way it looks, either one of those. But if you have like a choice between three different things, um, a member of the Red Cross, a crucifix or a syringe, choose the one that you think you can is the most interesting object that you can do the most with. Next one is from Jason Pong on Xiaomei her de Yi So a day with Xiaomei and her boyfriend. 
So again, another long piece of content. And he says, I wonder if you guys have considered attaching submissions that have been shared by students of the course. It would be great to hear how other students sound as well. Yeah, so what Jason is referring to here is uh, we, we ask, we encourage you to send in recordings of you reading anything from phase four, five uh, and, and above. These longer dialogues or short stories or paragraphs, anything. Uh, just send in a recording of you shadowing the material and we will we will give you a play-by-play um, -play critique and record it if you want us to. If you're happy with that, we'll put it in public for everyone to see on a, like, as like a, loom, like a screen recording. And he says, could you also post more? Well, we haven't actually had that many. You'd be surprised. Um, people, uh, it's not that surprising actually. You know, people can be quite shy about their performance and, and whatnot, uh, even if they're good, like, uh, which is completely understandable. Um, so we don't get as many as we would hope. So if you're listening to this and you, you want to, you know, you don't remember, we don't have to put it out in public if you don't want, but it's good to get some direct feedback, um, whether privately or publicly. So send a recording of you reading out something and we'll, we'll break it down and tell you where your problems are. We're pretty good at it. We've done it for a while now. Uh, so yeah, we do plan on doing that, Jason, once we get some more to send, but we'll, we'll, up, we'll maybe look at uploading some we've received already. So the next one here is from Christopher Neal on uh, New Vocabulary Unlocked, which means to know someone or to get to know someone. And he says, I saw the usage in a soap opera, which was translated as I recognize you from work. Is this interchangeable with Rensh? So the answer is a uh, kind of <laughs> the, the uh, is, is is more like uh, no, as in I have I'm acquainted with you, uh, as in I, I know you because I know your face and I know something about you, at least your name anyway. Um, whereas Renda is uh, it has it's also to know, but it has more of a feel of recognized to it. So you would more use it in that context. I think that's the best way to explain. Um, so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it qualifies as interchangeable. No. Uh, but very close, you know, you'll, you'll hear it, you'll definitely hear it in similar situations, but it has just more of that, I know your face. Uh, I saw you, ah, that's the guy I know. Uh, that's, that's how I would explain that. Kate Gans is next and she says, uh, in context, this is where you see the word which is a uh, electric bike uh, in context. You see it in, in, in sentences. And she says, for this sentence, she says, asks, why is zai used instead of geng? So zai by itself means like again. Uh, so here it's saying, so it's like if you want to go faster, basically, it's like again uh, faster. So it's just how, how it says, uh, how it's said. Um, if you replace that with geng, geng quieter. It would be exactly the same in this particular context. So, and so it's more <laughs> faster and again faster. In this context, they're the same. Okay, um, they could be used very differently in other contexts, but in this one, you can feel free to interchange those. Those are interchangeable in this particular case. We've got one final comment here from Georgia Swanson on Taman, which means uh, them or they. Uh, she says it but for animals or uh, objects she says uh, what is the purpose of the in the first sentence so basically she's saying why why is it 
not 非常的可可爱 not 非常可爱 well, why what's the difference? Can it be omitted from the sentence, or does it add a particular grammar point that we just haven't learned about? In which case, I'll be patient and wait to find out. Thanks. Yes, it can be taken out, and it'd be absolutely fine. These two ways of saying, I'm sure some grammatical expert, some linguist, would be able to analyze it and say, "Oh, this has a slightly different tone to it," which is, but basically, they're the same. Uh, so if you say, "非常可爱 and 非常的可爱 it's just a slightly different way of saying the same thing. If you asked Chinese people, that's probably what they would say.、Uh, in fact, that's what my wife said, and I really, I really hammered her on it. I was like. Are you sure? There's no difference between these two. Think about it. Say it out loud. Imagine if you were saying it in this context. What about this context? And she was like, "No, it's the same." <laughs> so、uh, it's the same. Next, we've got movie. So this is where.、Uh, so thanks, guys, for the emails and comments there.、Uh, this is where we run into. We are basically read out the movie scenes that we received from you, lovely members, over the last week or so. So Hank Elliot. Says on make a movie for Bing,、uh, which means sickness or sick. So he's got her, his cousin Benita, and the set is Stonehenge, the room inside the stone circle. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's cut up Stonehenge. So I guess he's been there, and he's like, oh, this area of Stonehenge is going to be the equivalent of the front yard, and this is going to be the living room, etc. That's absolutely fine. You could do that, no problem. Third Eye and Doctor House. Ah, so Doctor House is obviously the sickness component, and、uh, the third eye is the ah,、oh, I get it, yeah, being okay. So that's the inside component. All right. So he says, cousin Benita is climbing the rocks inside Stonehenge. She has a terrible fall and rips something and breaks something else. Her cries of pain and fear are quickly answered. In runs Doctor House, who runs right up to her. After he meditates a moment, a hole begins to open up. On his forehead, a wildly decorated third eye opens up, emitting beautiful colours of healing energy. In a few more moments, Benita is enveloped by this healing energy from Doctor House's third eye. As it shuts, they keep hearing a bing, bing, bing. Her her bleeding wounds begin to heal. Just then, she retches and pukes up sickness of her injury as a green slime of yuck. She is cured. House is smiling and blinking at his accomplishment. Bing, bing, bing! Wow, thanks for that. That was a very,、um, let's say, shengdong.、Um, as you say, do you know it's annoying when you remember the Chinese word and you forget your own language? Vivid. <laughs> There you go. That was a very vivid、uh, description,、um, and it's a little. I'll be honest with you, Hank. It's very effective and all that, and I, you know, I've made scenes similar, but as a I, I should have pre-read that one. <laughs> I might not have put that on the podcast <laughs> if I'd pre-read that.、Um, but that is going to work, and it's really creative.、Uh, and I, do you know what? I think I've just relearned that character as well. Next is、uh, Will Rayleigh. Make a move for Lang, which means groomsman,、uh, friend of a man who is getting married. So this is obviously a very rare, relatively rare character,、um, but it's in like one or two fairly useful characters, and it's one of those who just made it into the intermediate course. Leslie Nielsen is his actress. Set is A and G, and room within the set is the kitchen, and the props are Princess Bride, which is Liang, which just means、um, very nice, and、uh, brick wall. So let's see what he does. Leslie Nielsen、uh, in the kitchen is dressing himself up as a groomsman for a wedding. 
Princess Bride is there and she comes at Leslie, sorry. It seems Princess Bride prefers the groomsman. So a bit of drama going on now. Leslie Nielsen, in a panic, raises up a brick wall in between them to block her from getting to them. Leslie Nielsen is an honest groomsman. That is fantastic. Because that's not actually that easy to... How do you show a groomsman, right? Um, rather than just a dude in a suit. And you've done that very well, Will. Um, that's that's a, you've, you've handled that very well. Well done. Next one, Jonathan Pritchard. Make a movie for uh, Shaw. For Shaw. And he says, I love this one. Uh, first, there's Marilyn Monroe, his NU prop tap dancing with a bowl of rice on her head then the tap dancers appear next to her then shrek pops in while tap dancing there's a voiceover like sesame street one two three three in number oh yeah that's a, obviously a sesame street reference i don't quite get but uh that seems to be very good for jonathan and i'm not even gonna i don't need to uh, check to see if jonathan's got everything right because he's a professional mentalist so <laughs> he's probably way better at this than we are so well done, Jonathan. Next is uh, Chad Wrestler on Make a Movie for Sing. The current home where I got engaged as ENG, that's the ENG uh, set, or the NG set as well. Actor is Shauna, his wife. Yeah, well done, Chad. In fact, Chad, it's been a while since we heard from you. Chad, uh, Chad's obviously been busy getting married and stuff. Um, but he's one of the OGs. He's one of the original, um, <clears throat> original Mandarin Blueprint uh, crew from way back when we first released the course. Props are pink lingerie and baby Jesus. Nice, all right. Yeah, because Sheng means born, right? It says, I come home from work and as I came through the gate into our backyard, I see my wife Shauna standing there in pink lingerie. Uh, she's busy <laughs> setting up a Christmas manger scene and is holding baby Jesus. She informs me that she ran a very special errand today and shows me a new social security card with her surname changed to wrestler. She lays baby Jesus in the manger and well, we go inside. <laughs> I love the dot, dot, dot there. Um, not gonna read into that. Uh, very good and that's obviously great for using the close up as well. On I'm talking about on the, uh, <laughs> the security card. Uh, the <laughs> you can see the, the name there in capital letters uh, that's a great scene and that's all I'm going to say before I get myself in trouble all right well done Chad uh, great to hear from you mate um, awesome <laughs> great scene so that's the last scene of the day and thank you very much for all of your comments uh, and emails and more movie scenes please keep them coming as usual if you need any uh, help or advice if you want to chat about Chinese uh, get in touch at contact at mandarinblueprint.com or podcast at mandarinblueprint.com uh, if you've listened this far as I often say, and you are not on our course or you haven't tried it, you probably should, right? <laughs> so go ahead, uh, just go to our website, mandarinblueprint.com, and you'll see a start my 14-day free trial. You just have unfettered access to pronunciation mastery in phase one of the course, which is like 400 lessons almost. Um, so it should give you a good idea of what you're in for. All right, so thanks very much, everyone. I will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.